Hi everyone, Brian Vickers here, and I am, just to give you a little bit of background, I'm professor, a professor of New Testament uh, interpretation at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky, where I'm sitting in my office right now. Um, and I've been connected to GMHC since around 2007, I think it was. It was the first time I spoke at a breakout session uh, where I got asked to do it because a, a well-known colleague of mine couldn't do it. So I was kind of brought in as a as a uh, pinch hitter and they brought me in and the thing is is like sort of once you once I'm in the door I don't go away <laughs> and so um, I'm very thankful to say that um, I've, I think I've, I've every year since then I've have given breakout sessions and um, over time I've been asked to uh, speak about this issue of knowing God's will and God's guidance and you know of course one of the things that, that I do or especially this time what I'm doing is I'm focusing it a little bit you know more narrowly from the just the larger topic of God's will and God's guidance to God's will and God's guidance specifically I want to talk about uh, with missions right given the context of this conference however I do want to say that Whatever we might be talking about in terms of where we think we might be going, uh, the general things I have to say here will apply um, to anything you do, in, including sort of living our day-to-day -day life and understanding God's will and God's guidance in, in everyday life. Um, now, if you're wondering about uh, God's will and God's guidance, um, there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of a pushback in the past many several years about using God's will, the, the phrase God's will, because it sort of sounds like God has uh, like this etched in stone sort of path and you've got to find it. And, you know, you've got to once you find it, then you're in it. And it's like, you know, it's, you're shut off from everything else. And it's just this is it. You're in the lane. Um and like you know, so it leads to the ideas that, that that sort of idea leads to people constantly struggling with what's God's will for my life, uh, and then also thinking of God's will for life as just being a future sort of event. Now I understand that, um, and I have a lot of agreement with that, you know, caution about using that phrase. But my caution is really about how we what we've turned it into. We have sort of turned the discussion of knowing God's will into where am I supposed to live. And what will I do in terms of like what we might call a profession, right, or avocation? Um, in other words, it's what what am I, what do I do? And I would just say that's that's only a that's only a you know a portion of God's will, and it's not the root issue. On the other hand, uh, a lot of people like to speak in terms of guidance that God guides us now. The thing is, is if we would completely drop using the phrase will of God and only use guidance, it would take us no time before we would be asking, where is God guiding me? What is God guiding me to be? Where is God guiding me in the future, right? Geographically, right? Professionally. In other words, we would, we would have the same questions. I don't think swapping one for the other uh, really solves too much. I think a better way to put it is, we think about God's will as who and what he is shaping and forming us to be in Christ and then you know and has and, and as he guides us in that path right um, the other thing about wanting to keep the phrase will of God is you know it's in the Bible um, maybe most famously in some ways in Romans 12 1 therefore brothers and sisters in view of God's mercies the mercies of God that now in view of God's mercies uh, if you want to know what that is it's essentially everything Paul's been talking about for you know 11 chapters up to chapter 12 where he's stressing its salvation by faith alone God's free grace in Christ who gave himself as a sacrifice for our sins in whom we are free and right before God on the basis of faith alone. Um, that's the mercies that he's talking about. Um, and 
you know, he gets here and say, in light of all that, in light of all these things that God has done for us in Christ and giving us the secure future and that there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that we know now by faith that all the things are working for our good, right? But it's by faith that we know that, right? Not by sight. Um, and that nothing will separate us from the love of God is in Christ Jesus. That's all sort of Romans 8. Um, in light of all that and more that he has to say, he says, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, what's that mean, living sacrifice? It essentially means this. At the heart of it, it means this. Understanding that our lives are not our own, <clears throat> that they belong to God. They're a gift from God. They belong to God, and they're meant to be lived for the sake of others, right? <clears throat> you don't really have to – it's not so much of conceiving as like everyday – you know, you're going down and sort of throwing yourself under the bus for everybody. Um, it is more, a more fundamental foundational understanding of it would be, my life is meant for God and for others and not first and foremost for me. Um, that's God's will for our life. Um, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, right? In other words, we're in the world and left in the world to be salt and light, but we're not left in the world just to be a mirror of the world so that we just blend in and go about our business. Um, I always just say this to a lot of people, Christians, if they're Christ, if they're really living Christian lives, we don't have to go out of our way not to blend in. Um, we won't. But it's precise, but it's precisely our not blending in doesn't mean that we rub everybody the wrong way what it means is is we there's something that we're noticeably different in the th things that we talk about in the things that we do in the way that we live towards others um because that's always been true of god's people right going all the way back to israel um god called them to live and be faithful so that the nations will see them, right? And God calls us to live and be faithful so that the nations will hear us and see us um, as God's people living in this world, right? Um, so we, you know, we, Jesus says, you know, he doesn't take us, we're not of the world. He doesn't take us out of the world, but leaves us in it. And he prays for us. Uh, just go read the Gospel of John uh, so that you may discern what is good, the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. So I, I think we need to be careful that Paul, we don't read that so that statement so that you as like, if you do these things first, then God will then, it's like, so in other words, living a holy life is not your, your payment. And then, I'm sorry, sorry. It's not your, uh, putting your time and doing your job and then the payment is God gives you a knowledge of his will. Paul's putting it all together so that this idea of living for others, living for God, holy and pleasing to God, not being conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our, our mind, our perspective on the world as we live as the ambassadors of Jesus in the world, understanding the times that we live in and understanding um, the role that God has given us as his stewards here um, to tell and show the good news, that that is all connected with the will of God. It's not do these things and then God will like, give you a heavenly ways app it's the will of god is connected to all these things it's a holistic life that includes knowing the will of god but also faces the fact that mostly what god has to say about the will of god about his own will is how we live and what our lives are like first and foremost and secondarily where we live and where we go and what our you know, profession is or what our calling specific is. Um, so anyway, that's just a place to start. Um, so the typical way this is often put forward in missions is it starts with sometimes some kind of aggressive questions like, do you have a legitimate reason not to go? And, you know, if you're in a right sort of setting in, a, in like a certain kind of missions conference or something, you're kind of in a situation where you're like, well, now that I think about it, no, I don't. And then, no, then what are you doing here, right? So it's this very aggressive way of like finding God's will for missions. Um, another thing is you get this sort of a call that is sometimes based in guilt. Um, everyone has a call to go to the nations. It's just a matter of whether you'll follow it. I mean, after all, who's called to stay put? Does anybody here have a burning desire just to not go anywhere? Um, 
Yeah, I've never I, I made that one up myself. I've actually never heard it. But I think that's like the implication, though. Right. The implication is everyone. Ha the implication is everyone has a call to go. And when it's put this way, it always means like geographically you've you've got to go. Now, I believe in going geographically. I don't agree that every Christian is called to move, move and uh, um, change their their ge their geography. I just don't think that's the case. And the reason I don't think that it's the case is because, quite frankly, it isn't the case. Um, I like I like it better as a, a friend of mine often says, we're all called to be in missions in in missions and there are goers and there are senders. And sometimes those people swap roles. Sometimes there's overlap, but everybody is called to be involved in missions. It's just, you know, what role will you have? And goers and senders, that's not just two groups. There's that, that breaks down into multiple, multiple, multiple different sorts of groups. But the idea that knowing God's will for your life with regard to missions, and you could, you could make this about anything really, is that, you know, it's just a matter of whether you're being obedient. I'm not saying obedience has nothing to do with it, but that sort of guilt pressure question, I just don't believe is the way to start. Um, let me give you a, share with you a little bit about my personal call to missions. Um, I am not a missionary in the sense that most people use the word. I mean, I teach here at in Louisville, Kentucky. I do travel quite a bit, or used to, uh, in Southeast Asia and uh, South Asia and in, in Western Europe um, on mission trips, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not a missionary in like the, the way we often use that word, right? Uh, I'm not preparing to go anywhere as far as I know, all right? And not just because I'm restricted from it right now, but even before last March, I wasn't preparing to go somewhere else. Um, I don't teach missions and I'm not a missions pastor in my church. So obviously I had brought in the expert, right, to talk to you about God's will, especially in regard to missions. But the thing is, I'm not any of those things, but I, I understand um, God's guidance in my life as something that uh, is very much connected to and hardwired to missions because God has given me my own kind of involvement in that, that involves going overseas, uh, taking my students with me, various students with me uh, in various sorts of situations, whether it's evangelism or teaching or doing discipleship or doing service, whatever it is. Um, and then, you know, I come back here and I, and I teach and I um, emphasize missions and the nations in, in my classes. And, you know, for a long time, it was really difficult for me to understand why I wasn't somewhere else. Or if I was somewhere else, I would think, God, why don't you just let me stay here? Right? I'd be in South, South Asia somewhere like the middle of the night in a hotel or out under the stars or something and thinking, God, why don't you just why don't you just make a, why, how come I'm not here all the time? And then I come home and think, God, why am I not back over there? And, you know, I was just sort of chasing this idea that God's will is first and foremost geographical. When a friend of mine, you know, sort of woke me up one day by saying, hey, have you ever considered that maybe you keep asking God um why you're not more involved in missions because you just don't see that you already are involved in missions. It's just God is doing it in a way that you didn't define first. You know, it, it's good to have friends like that. And I don't know if that was a life-changing moment, but it was pretty close to it. Because, I mean, basically, what was he saying to me? The reason you don't think you know God's will in regard to missions is because you think you already know what that must look like. In other words, you're really trying to make God's will fit Brian's will. But God's already given you all these opportunities. Why can't why can't you just give yourself to those? And if God wants to change it, he will. Um, and so, yeah, and so I don't, I'm not saying that I never consider anything else or think about anything else. But that was, that really changed my life in the sense that you know, he sort of called me back to what the Bible says about God's will, and it just doesn't talk a lot about those sorts of specifics. 
in terms of like there's hidden messages that will say to you if you just connect the dots right uh you shall go to outer mongolia right um or or you know maybe something less precise than that i just chose mongolia honestly i don't know why i did i just did um but the bible has a lot to say about how god is fulfilling his own work in this world um Right. Starting if we think about the book of Acts. Right. We think of that as the missionary book. Well, it's a book about the acts of the disciples. But I like the title of this one book um, by a guy named Thompson. It's called The Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. Right. Because it's book of Acts is about the work uh, and acts of Christ in the world through his disciples. Right. So but if you think about it, we know a lot about the disciples background. Um, but what's the focus in Acts? is the work that God is doing through the disciples, not so much sort of giving us like missionary profiles in a way. Um, not, I mean, you know, unless we really want it to. Um, and even if there is something like that somewhere, and I'm not, there's obviously lots of things we can learn about what goes into it from Paul and others. But I'm just saying it's not first and foremost a guidebook for, um, what a missionary looks like um, in sort of a monochrome kind of way. It's more about how these uh, Christians went about spreading the word of God. It's about, you know, it's God's work in the world. And I think the apostles would have been the first ones to say, yeah, you know what? It's not our work, it's God's work, right? When Peter preaches the first sermon, uh, the people hear him talking about the mighty works of God. And Peter says, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested you by the by uh, by mighty works. Right. It's all about it's all about the witness of God's work in the world in Jesus. Right. And, and we get this. The, 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 the overwhelming emphasis in Acts is on <clears throat> how the gospel spreads through the work of these people. Right. And we don't want to lose sight of that when we're thinking about missions. Right. So I won't read all these texts to you. I've, I've had them up there for a while. Hopefully, you, you know, you've seen them. Um, and then we have some more more and more men believed and they were added. And then fast forward to verse chapter 16. So the churches were strengthened. And then in 28, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with boldness and without hindrance. That's Paul in Rome in prison, by the way. And the reason I put these up is, as you see, right, I think the first example is from chapter 2. The last example is from chapter 28. And the reason I put, there's just six of them up there that I shared. The reason is, is that they span the sort of, they span the length of Acts. And it's all the same thing about how the church is growing through the work of the uh, apostles. But it's God's message that's, 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 uh, that's, you know, highlighted. It's the God's, the gospel, God and the gospel in Christ is the star of the show in Acts, not the missionaries themselves. Uh, sometimes we think about calling, especially in missions, but this might apply to other things too. Is like you might have heard this phrase, the Macedonian call, um, where Paul got this call to go to Macedonia. You know, this is in Acts 16, as I'm showing here. Um, he had a vision of a man saying, hey, come over to Macedonia, help us. And after that, Paul got up and went. And I've heard people say things like, you know, you know, I'm wanting, I'm looking for, I'd like to get a Macedonian call. Well, the tricky thing about the Macedonian call is, one, it's an event from the Apostle Paul's life. So that has to be said right off the bat. Number two, there's not a pattern given us, given to us in the Bible that this is, this is even presented as not the usual day-to-day -day in Paul's life. And he had more than one uh, vision of God revealing things to him, but they stand out as not kind of what happened to Paul. And in other words, Paul goes lots of places and God, you know, God calls him and, you know, it's a very special time and Paul's an apostle, but we don't even get an ax like sort of reports of every time Paul made a move, God said, go right, go left, go through that gate, go down that path. Right. Uh, he, but he did get some of these special moments, but the, the, the thing we need to realize is like this particular call in Acts 16, Paul's already out doing missions. He's not sort of sitting back. He hadn't gone back to Damascus sitting there thinking, 
what does God want me to do? I really wish God would show me where to go. I really wish God would tell me where I need to be and for how long and what I need to take with me. Um, he's already out working. And God, so this is, the Macedonian call is an extension of what Paul was already doing. Um, and I think that if there's, I think the missionary principle here about calling is God, you know, we should be thinking about God's calling or guidance in our life in missions. The first thing we need to ask, I'll ask this later is, am I already involved? And so if so, if we're not really involved in any, like even a local personal way, right, then maybe that's something to think about if we're just not really involved yet, but we're just thinking about, you know, God calling us to do something that we already are not really involved in, in, in any way, even like in a preparatory way. We often talk about needs and open doors as a way of like, you know, following or knowing God's will. Um, I'm all about open doors. I mean, the tricky thing about being called uh, according to need is there's virtually nowhere you can go where you won't be able to hear about and find out about a need that's a greater need somewhere else. The people who have most cautioned me off or like, you know, sort of waved me off of being only needs driven have been missionaries. Like, like who are career, who have been in places a long time saying, you know what, you got to be careful. Don't get into that loop, that never ending loop of only, only being driven by need because you will never be content or never feel like you're content because you will always know of a greater need and you'll get this sort of comp complex where you're like, I'm the one who has to fill it. So in other words, they're not throwing the idea, the, they're not throwing the perception of need out the window. They're just saying that can't, that can't sort of drive the train. Uh, otherwise, it'll just get out of control and you will never really be able to fully give yourself to whatever God's given you in that moment because you're only, only aware of there being greater needs somewhere else. And then open doors, right? So Paul had this open door um, in Troas, but he left even though the door was wide open. So even an open door is not necessarily is not necessarily sort of God laying the law down saying, hey, there's the door, go. I mean, I like to put it this way. There's open doors all around us. Um, when, when students come to me and, and ask me about, should I go on a, on a, they'll say, I'm really struggling about whether I should go on this trip with you to, you know, South Asia somewhere. And I'll just say, well, yes, think about it. Um, it's a trip to South Asia. It's like two weeks tops. Uh, it's open for Southern seminary students, um, who raise X number of dollars. Um, and then, you know, they'll help you raise this money and yeah, it's open for anybody. And then I'll just say, so are you a Southern seminary student? The answer is yes. Um, is this trip available for you? Yes. Um, is it possible to raise money? They're often like iffy about that. I'm like, trust me, it is. Everybody does. Uh, and then I'll say, <clears throat> do you want to go? And that's always the tricky part is they'll say, yeah, I do, but I just don't know if I should. I'm like, what else could I tell you? Right. I mean, what else is there to know? I mean, first of all, this is a two week trip, right? It can't really apply this to like, I'm moving forever, but you know, that's just sort of a small scale thing. There's doors open all around us. And I think sometimes what we need to think is, you know what? I don't see anything um, sinful. I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm, I'm violating biblical principles. This is something I feel that I want to do and that God has opened the door. I'm going to try. And, or you think, you know what? This door is open for me right now, but uh, you know, I could go this direction. I could actually pack up and maybe move. But right now I've got people in my life saying, hey, I don't know if this is the best thing for you right now. I have other obligations that I have to fulfill and I should fulfill those. I'm going to I'm going to pass. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, the other way I like to put it is. Open doors are easy to <clears throat> open doors are harder to know, like which one for me. <clears throat> but you know what's easy? <clears throat> Excuse me. What's easy is knowing when God shuts one. Um, that's really usually a lot clearer. It might take us a couple of days before we catch up, but there's always going to be somebody there to be like, hey, I'm sorry, that, that door is shut. Uh, so I just kind of like to have, I feel like the, you know, we have this freedom. There's open doors all around us. Just see if, you know, maybe God will shut it. And 
you know, sort of launch out from that kind of view of freedom. But anyway, um, often, you know, we think about missionary gifts. And again, this could be anything, but what gifts? Well, Paul makes it really clear that God gives particular gifts in his church. But you know, the thing about all the gifts, all the gifts are meant to serve other people, right? Apostles, then prophets, then teachers, uh, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now he's here he's speaking more about specific uh specific roles, right, that are identified, uh, but these aren't all there are, um, and the thing is, is you don't, to go into uh, into missions, for instance, in lots of various capacities, um, it's not necessarily the case you're going to open the Bible and find that capacity there, because um, these are the ones that are basically listed as specific roles, and these aren't even missionary roles, per se, <clears throat> they are uh, church roles, but they're not just roles and titles and professions. Look what he said. He's placed these in the church for the purpose of serving the church, uh, not first and foremost as job titles, right? And But the thing, I'm, what I'm trying to say is this, beyond God, you know, making provision for church life, there's not sort of a spelled out, there's not, there's not like a, a spelled out list of what gifts make a missionary um, or somebody pursuing really any calling, right? I mean, lots of things are kind of common sense and self-evident, but the thing is, in, in terms of missions, if you think about a, uh, a conference like GMHC, there are people doing everything from um, medical professionals to medical support to people who do financial support to people who operate sort of management business type end of it um, people involved in um, research there's people who aren't really in medical fields at all some of us um, lots of people there's people who are maybe interested there's people in school uh, there's people who have various sort of agencies who do all sorts of things I mean one of the great things I'm missing this year is this the exhibit halls where I go see things that I didn't even know people even did there's whole agencies sort of devoted to these various, like whether it's clean water or it's providing medical supplies, you know, air dropped in to, I, I'm not going to start naming everything I've ever seen, but, you know, that just goes to show you that we need to be careful that we don't limit down what a missionary calling is in terms of gifts so much that we lose sight of the fact that there is honestly room for everyone according to the gifts that God has given us. And God gives us all the gifts, gifts accordingly, and he doesn't compare us to other people. So it doesn't matter if you have the gifts and abilities that somebody's going to write a biography about one day. All that matters is that you have the gifts that God gave you and that those can be put to use and that God's never going to compare you to somebody else and say, well, you had some gifts, I know, but she was really, I mean, she showed, you know, God doesn't, God doesn't talk that way. We do, but God doesn't. And so there's a lot of freedom in that. Um, so I think what we want to do is consider, right, that um, our lives belong to God. Um, when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in depths, your eyes saw my unformed body. Uh, the days are ordained for me, were written in your book, one of, uh, before, the other, uh, before one of them came to be, right? That we, we absolutely belong to God. Um, that we're called to true faithfulness, right? This is this is what we need to be concerned about, about God's will. Uh, in all your ways, submit to him, right? Trust in your Lord with all your heart. Lean him not into your understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He will make your path straight. It's not saying God will give you a heavenly ways app again. It's saying in the midst of crooked paths, you can trust that your path is straight. So it's straight paths by faith. Not if you do certain things, then God will, right? give you nice guardrails and a straight shot for the rest of your life. It's straight paths by faith, right? Um, not straight paths as a reward for something, right? And so, and that again, going back to Romans 12, that we are called to live for God and for others, and that this is really at the heart of what knowing God's will is, and that no matter what we 
want to do down the road, it's important for us to understand the will of God is not just when I get over doing what I'm doing at the moment. We have a tendency to think that way. Soon as I get this hard week done, soon as I get this month done, soon as I get this semester done, soon as I get this season of life done, then I will really start doing stuff. That's not the way it's presented in the Bible. The, doing the will of God is living every every day faithful to the thing, faithful to him and faithful to doing the things he gives us to do in the moment. And that is the best, I think, barometer we have for moving forward. Right. And so anyway, I hope it's been helpful just to think about God's will in this very, very foundational way. And to think that, you know, it really isn't first and foremost about geography or profession uh, or title or, or even just the future is about understanding the gift of life that God has given us today and thinking, you know, I always, I always just say this, the best barometer, the best barometer for what sort of missionary or doctor or nurse or neighbor or businessman or engineer or teacher or whatever it is you do, the best barometer for how you're going to do that is our faithfulness today. And I think if we can start thinking about God's will and guidance from that standing starting point, we will be able to take down the self-imposed anxiety and start trusting God with all of our heart and uh, not leaning on our own understanding and all of our ways acknowledging him, understanding that in the midst of all the unknown stuff in our lives now and in the future, with God, those paths are straight. So I hope it's been helpful. I look forward to seeing you at the Q&A time when we meet together. Uh, until then, God be with you. Peace in Christ.